SoFi, the all-in-one super app for banking, borrowing, and investing. Earn industry-leading APY, get great loan rates, and trade stocks. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank N.A., NMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Guy here. You're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's MRKT Call. It's a daily video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we're joined by our friends Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young, that's EY of SoFi, for their investment analysis. So check it out. And if you like it, follow at Market Call on on Twitter and subscribe to Risk Reversal Media's YouTube page so you never miss an episode. One PM on the East Coast. Swizzle here. I was just eating some goalie. That's G O L I apple cider vinegar. Like gummies and EY asked what they did, and I'm not really sure what they do. Except so, why, so why do you good. eat them? So why do you eat them? I mean, they must do something. People buy them, right? I mean, apple I, I, cider apparently it like gets the metabolism metabolism going. That too, but nobody cares nope. because this is market call. It yeah. is, as I mentioned, one o'clock on the East Coast, which means the only time zone that matters for you mountain people out there. I mean, I don't even know what you don't even know what time it is in the mountain zone. That's why it's so screwed up. This market call, Dan, brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. And of course, SoFi, get your money right, Dan, all in one app. And in just a few minutes, EY from SoFi, who's got um, great new hair, by the way, I noticed that, and a new blouse, if I may be so bold. How are you, Dan? Uh, I'm doing well. I mean, you never notice anything on me, but that's, that's fine, guy. That's Adami. patently false. Because I know. I say all the time yeah. when you're in your Johnny Cash outfit. Which Today, is I, I am to in my. I am in. I'm. I'm wearing dark gray. And the other day, when you said I was Johnny Cash, I was wearing dark blue. They're very different. All right, here's the deal. I am black and blue. Um, a little bit here, guy. From what's gone on. That was, by the way, it's a great uh, Rolling Stones album, Black and Blue. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, listen. I, I, it was just. And we're we're gonna talk to Liz about the fed because the wrote that uh, the note that she wrote um that came out yesterday on the sofi investing blog is all about the feds uh tight wire high wire whatever wire act that they are playing here but it's interesting when the stock market i mean on the way i'm positioned and i think the last thing we talked about on market call yesterday before we left at like 135 and the fed was coming out at two and the fed presser was at 230 i kind of detailed how i was positioned i was short of the qqq short of the spy short of the xlf i'm still that way but i'll tell you this man the xlf guy is about to go down on the day okay bank america is down one percent on the day wells fargo just went down city mm. about to go down if jp goes down um, Schwab is down two and a half percent. I don't know what's going on there. If you look at all the regionals, and we're going to look at some of those charts there uh, in a second. To me, this is the most important thing going on for the markets, okay, for the stock market. Now, you could say, oh, well, I'm going to look at the other thing. I'm going to look at Google up two and a half percent. I'm going to look at Amazon up one and a half percent. I'm going to look Meta up three percent. I'm going to look at Apple one and a half percent. I'm going to look at the SMH up three percent in a market cap terms. That's just eclipsing it. But let me just ask you this guy. Mm. 
Please. What's more important, a bunch of dumb money that is piling in to the mega cap tech for this perception of safety. It's only happening because what's going on on the other side where there is the potential, right? In my opinion, okay, the potential for some major market palpitations, some major economic palpitations, or maybe that's what's going on there. So to me, what what do you think is most important to focus yeah. on looking at the market? See, I, I missed law school that day, but if I were the um, one of the counselors, I would say, I object your honor, the 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 attorney, you're leading the witness, as they say. That's a rhetorical question. And he would probably sustain that objection. But I'll answer your question, counselor. And clearly to me, I think banks are more important. And we talked about it a few minutes ago on our Fast Money call. And I said, listen, don't look now, but Bank America is about to make a new multi-year low. And lo and behold, here we are to your point. So what's going on in banks cannot be understated, I don't think. I mean, people will say we have effectively we've shored up that side of the equation and everything is fine. Everything is not fine. And I'm still pretty convinced. And I said it on fast money last night that you're going to see over the next month or so a take under in one of these banks. And that should probably lead to some other things. There is a flight to perceived safety in the form of these names. But when you have Microsoft up eight, nine bucks, last I looked, Facebook continues to grind higher. It's probably more of a Facebook specific thing. Uh, what's going on with TikTok and stuff. But then you look at Google, which, by the way, is going from 91-ish to 106 very quietly. Yep. That has to make you sort of scratch your head a little bit. And then you have the continued strength in some of these semis. And I think here we have a Google chart. We're back above that 200-day moving average. But this move has been stealth. Nobody's been talking about it. But there is some, it, it has to have you scratching your head a little bit that the market's looking past what's going on in the banking sector, which last I looked is still a pretty important component of our economy, and then flooding into names that you know now are just gotten themselves flat out expensive. Yeah, so let's um, let's just kind of make this one point here. We're going to talk about the Fed with uh, Liz in one second here, but let's 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 talk about what Janet Yellen, so the Treasury Secretary, mm -hmm. had to say. She was in front of the Senate yesterday. Interestingly, um, you know, right as the Fed presser was going on, yeah. so Jay Powell was talking over there, and that was the very thing that really caused some of these regional bank stocks to turn lower. And when you look at the two-day action, I think we have a chart of the KRE, which is the regional uh, regional bank ETF. Um, you know that the KBW uh, bank. Bank, uh, the, you know, the, the regional bank uh, ETF here. Um, man, dude, look at this thing, guy. I mean, it's, it's down one and a half percent. I'm looking at, you know, FRC down, you know, five and a half percent making new, you know, multi-year lows. This is kind of a big level. So your point about a take under, I mean, there's some regionals that their equity is going to be worth zero here. It's like that's coming to a theater near you. And for whatever reason, I think that while, you know, anybody and their mother who's out there, whether you're a large money center bank or a major investment bank, or you're like Schwab and, you know, Schwab is interestingly down two and a half percent, um, right here you know the the ceo of schwab was interviewed in wall street journal talking about the deposit base and 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 you know how they would be if they had a further run on deposits something's going on i mean like like that's just kind of simple here to me so i guess the, the question is is like when will we see greater correlation with the broader market and so we also talked yesterday a little bit about you know some of the breadth that had been you know really narrowing into some of these mega cap techs so like, just give me a quick comment. I'm just curious on what you thought about Treasury Second Sec Secretary Yellen's comments because I heard you on Fast Money last night, and that's the thing that you wanted to most focus on. Yeah, we led the show with you know with the Fed, and I said, look, I mean, I thought the Jerome Powell stuff was somewhat benign and actually somewhat dovish. I said, I think what turned the market, and if you go back and look, just if you had a little bit of a time capsule, 
market actually rallied on the back of the Fed. I mean, at one point, the Dow was up, I don't know, 150 points. I know you're not a big Dow guy. My point is, no, it went not. from being up 150 to down 500 in pretty short order over that period of time from 2.30 to 4 o'clock. And I said it last night. I said, I don't think it was Jerome Powell. I think it was Janet Yellen's comments. And now a lot of people are sort of echoing that. I'm not suggesting they're mimicking what I said, but I think people came to the realization, wait a second, it was the Janet Yellen comments testifying in Capitol Hill. Now, I'll say this about Jerome Powell. Um, one of the things that he said, and, and some of the things that we've been saying, he said the banking sector, and I'm paraphrasing to a point, but the banking sector is going to do our job for us in the form of tightening. And he's no. right. I mean, we have said this now for the last, since Silicon Valley happened, we said, watch and see, credit conditions are going to tighten. And that's effectively doing the Federal Reserve's job for them. But that is, if you think that's bullish somehow, it's not. Because credit is what this economy runs on. And if credit conditions are going to tighten, just a matter of time before it makes its way into the economy and subsequently the stock market. So I guess to a degree, I understand what's going on. You know, there's this perceived flight to quality. And I'm reading some of the comments. Somebody said, how do you think Google's expensive? I didn't say that Google was expensive. I said some of these stocks. I mean, Microsoft, the move we've had now back to where we are, Microsoft's gotten itself expensive. I don't care what you think about Apple. In this environment, Apple is expensive. Um, Google has probably always been the cheapest out of the bunch, but you know what? It really hasn't performed until recently. So there's a lot here for everybody, I guess, is my point. If you're bullish, you can make a pretty compelling argument. I'm bearish. I think I've tried to make a compelling argument. And here we are, you know, with the S&P, where we trend like 3985 or thereabouts. I mean, we're effectively 3980. We're effectively, you know, right around the 200-day moving average. So all this noise over the last few weeks has got us nowhere. I mean, I guess the NASDAQ has outperformed, but effectively the broader market is where we started this whole thing a few weeks ago, Dan. Yeah, I'll just say this. If you're bullish of equities right here, given what the Fed said, and just, you know, I saw very little what Jay Powell said yesterday as dovish. I, I really thought that the main, you know, headline coming out of that was uh, um, being convicted to fighting inflation. Mm -hmm. So to me, um, and then we're seeing inflationary readings, you know, kind of pick up a little bit. That's something that we've been tracking. And the last thing I'll just say is that if you are buying stocks right here, Year, then you are making a bet that what's going on in the regional banking sector will not spill over to the broader sector, uh, you know, like the, the money centers, the larger banks here. And what happened in Europe over the weekend, that's ring faced, uh, ring fence, the issues over there. So to me, I, I that's not something I believe. And I'm not trying to be a doomer. I'm not trying to like kind of be a fear monger or whatever. Look at the price action in these banks in the face of what's going on in the rest of the market. Mm -hmm. I can't believe that to be the case. All right, let's do it. Let's see if Liz can drop a little clarity, a little knowledge on us about what's happened in the last 24 hours. Dropping knowledge. By the way, that's a that's a new – I don't know. I, my sense is that's a blouse. Look at that dude walking behind you. Tell that tell that guy to put some ni nice clothes on. I mean, it looks like he's going to the gym. Sorry. Back to you. We prioritize comfort here at SoFi, so <laughs> yeah. he can wear whatever he wants. This Clearly. shirt is not new. Clearly. Uh, perhaps the first time I've worn it on Market Call. Okay. But yeah. my highlights are new, so you were bang on with that. Damn straight I was. How um, are you, by the way, EY? Good I to am see you. great. Yeah, it's Thursday. It's my favorite day. I mean, yeah, I get to see you get both that, of you. You get to hang with the two of us, and it is yeah. fun. Before we get to your note, I mean, you've heard us wax poetic, and there are this... I, listen, I'm with Dan on this one. You know, this reversal in the banks today and has poorly... I mean, I don't want to pick on Bank of America, but I will for a second. If we could pull up a Bank of America chart, I mean, it's not making a 52-week low today. It's making a multi-year low. This is Bank of America, by the way, folks. This is not some Podoc bank. I mean, 
that has to be somewhat of a warning sign. And if other these big money center banks, the the systemically important banks that they call them, the GSIPs, if they start to roll over, I'm hard pressed to believe the broader market's not going to catch wind of that. So here's the thing. Uh, I actually feel like, and this might be an odd prediction and it could be completely wrong, but I actually feel like the the contagion might end up in the stock prices, which is what we're seeing right now. I think Yellen's comments yesterday didn't help. You know, we're not going to blanket guarantee all deposits, yada, yada, yada. I understand why financials would sell off on that statement. I don't think that this particular issue is going to be the thing that takes it all down. So, and I want to be really clear about this. I don't think it was necessarily unique. I don't think it was, oh, you know, SVB is the only one that was affected by that and they were affected by it because they had bad risk management, all the things that we've heard over and over again. But I do still think there's going to be another set of headlines. They just may not be this, this exact same theme. So it may not be that there's deposit flight. I'm guessing, and I said this in my note today, I'm guessing it'll be something along the lines of a credit event. So I've said this a couple times. The issues we've seen so far are unique to those particular companies, but the liquidity issue is universal. And it will all come back together at the end of this and we'll say, oh, well, it all is kind of caused by the same catalyst, right? It was all caused by rates going up. It was all caused by sucking liquidity out of the system that quickly. It was all caused by investors having this muscle memory and believing that the same thing that got them to this point was the same stuff that would get them to the next point. But I think the next set of headlines is going to be a different theme than what we've seen so far. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, what I think Bank America and Wells Fargo are telling you right here is that mark to market, those held to maturity, okay, treasuries that they might also have a situation with, you know, it's that there's going to be losses in these other banks. Now, I get it. The denominator is different, right, on their capital bases and the concentration and all that sort of stuff. But again, this brings me back, Liz, to 2008 when I know you were like in seventh grade and you were like a cheerleader <laughs> on the sideline of, uh, of the JV. I was 26. Uh, yeah, I was whatever. working. I, right, was, but my I was supervising three departments. But like it's just Who so lets a twenty-six-year-old do that. But anyway, I, I, sorry. I feel so bad for these CEOs that they have to go on and they have to say whether it's on TV or to print media or to their team or to their counterparties or to whoever and say this is contained, this is isolated over here. We've ring fenced this, we've done that. You know, every time that they speak, I don't know about you, guy. I just have the muscle memory of saying to myself as a trader, I want to fade that right. And so, like this morning, again, the Schwab CEO. CEO was uh, interviewed in the Wall Street Journal, you know, talking about this, that, and look at the stock. It's one of the worst acting stocks, you know what I mean, in the financial sector today. So to me, when I see that sort of price action, I just, it's very hard for me to say that it's contained. Like, it, like somebody knows something. Guy, talk yeah, hold, hold on, hold on. Let me just yeah. real quick. So I want to be clear. I'm not saying that I wouldn't fade some of this stuff. I'm not saying that I wouldn't, in the, on the rally days, right? Uh, if I have a broad financials position, which I did, I have faded it three times now on days, on up days. It's not that I think financials won't get hit again or hit harder. I think it's the next catalyst or the next, the details of, of whatever happens next are not going to be exactly the same as what we've just seen. I think they've plugged those holes sufficiently and the next thing is going to be just something that took a little bit longer to work itself out of the system. So, like I said, maybe it's a credit event, but I still do think that financials, and largely because they're a cyclical bunch, mm -hmm. get hit in that environment. 
And then, you know, we're going to hear narratives like, well, if, if yields continue to go down and bonds rally, that helps the unrealized losses thing. And that's not that big of a deal anymore. That's why I think that won't be the next issue. Let's take a look at bonds and we might as well. We have the chart and, you know, we're right. We seemingly found a level in terms of 10 year yields, at least that the market seems to have at least held for the period of time. And that level comes in the form of the 200 day moving average. Yeah, I know we sort of breached it, but you see what I'm talking about here. I mean, it's effectively your uptrend line. And the question, I guess I'll ask to Liz first, but Dan, I'm sure you can opine. If rates start going back up here, is that a good thing? Or I got to be honest with you. I really don't know the answer. I think if 10-year yields start trending back towards 4%, I mean, I'm sure there'll be people who say that's bullish. I'm sure other people can make a cogent argument that it's bearish. I don't know the answer, but here we are at a level that something's going to happen, Dan. Yeah, you've been saying this for months now. Okay, um, that, you know, like lower yields is saying something about the economy. Higher yields is saying something about what's gone on with the Fed positioning, right, and the inflation battle, that sort of thing. But the volatility is the thing that should be freaking investors out, right? And the last, and just even if we pull up the two year and what we saw last week, right, like in, in a response to um, what the market was doing relative to what they thought should be done for the regional banking sector and the banking sector as a whole and what the Fed might do. And, you know, we, we track the CME Fed, uh, the Fed watch tool and just the volatility in that over that period is pretty fascinating. So yeah, I, I'm with you guy. I, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we've talked about stagflation. It feels like Danny started talking about it on the tape in the summer of 2021 in summer of 2021. And it feels like that's what we are in for. And now all of a sudden we're seeing some fragility in our financial system because of all of that sort of like, you know, like all the cross currents as it relates to why rates have been moving the way they have and what the Fed has been doing with their balance sheet and the like. So I don't know. It, it You know, Liz, and that's one of the things that, you know, I was joking about, you know, where you were in 08. But this is really confusing. And I guess the point is going back to the stock market for a second. I mean, I'm looking at the S&P that's up three and a half percent in the year and the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ 100 is up nearly 18 percent on the year. I mean, like, think about that. Right. And so you know, broke out, uh, you know, above that, that downtrend, it held its 200 day moving average in that little uptrend it's been in. Something's, something's really wrong here. I mean, like to me, like something's either wrong, either I couldn't be more wrong in the history of my career about what's going on in tech here, or this thing is, is about ready to come back crashing down to earth because up 18% of the year doesn't make any sense. Well, if you tie the two things that you just talked about together. So if the 10 year yield is rising, First of all, it could be because we got a summary of economic projections yesterday and the Fed projected that inflation would be higher by the end of this year than they originally thought, which I don't think is a surprise to anyone on this show right now. <laughs> so let's say the 10-year continues to rise because inflation proves itself to be a problem. Okay, that also means that the cost of capital remains higher for longer, which we both, we all know, pressures tech. These tech companies have already made a bunch of cuts, right? They've cut employees, they've cut costs, they've gotten rid of whatever the excess frothy stuff was on the outside. So think about them coming back out of this. And this is what I would challenge the investors who are driving the NASDAQ up at this point. I would challenge your thought process with this. If the cost of capital remains permanently higher, mm -hmm. or at least higher for a long period of time, that means that the discount rate remains higher. Tech companies can't finance their growth with that high of a cost of capital at the same rate that they used to. 
Okay, so already the valuation itself is expensive. Secondly, they've they've cut resources, right? They've cut resources across the company, not just sales and marketing and the regular stuff. They've cut a lot of things. So they come out of maybe a little downturn and it's harder to get money to finance their growth and they don't have as many people to actually create the growth. They've lost resources. So I, the upside here, I don't think there is a cogent upside story in this. Now it's possible that if we have a downturn, that tech doesn't get hit as hard as some of the cyclicals because they've already seen their pretty big bear market in 2022, but I don't think they continue to go up from here. We got a couple questions I want to hit before we get to Liz's notes. PK Larkin, uh, guy Dan, think FRC may fail. Twelve dollars now is unreal. We address that. I, you know, I don't want to pick on that, but as I said last night on the show, Fast Money, there's going to be a buy. There's going to be a take under at some point in one of these banks, and if it's First Republic, I mean, so be it. But something out there is happening. Jim asked, are you still bullish on GDX? Absolutely, gold continues to perform. The underperformance in the gold miners, given the price, is like at a 35% historic discount. I think the gold miners are saying we don't believe the move. It's just a matter of time before they do. Um, and let's go to your note. People are asking about HYG. This plays into it, but I don't know if we can pull up a real-time HYG. I will tell you, over the course of the last 15 minutes or so, there's been a pretty precipitous drop in HYG. It's gone from about 74.30 below 74 which doesn't sound like a big deal. In this, trust me, folks, when I tell you, it actually is a pretty significant move. So something's going on there. Maybe it's on the back of the bank move, but people are talking about it. So something to keep in mind. Let's roll out EY's note. When I was a kid, by the way, there was this cat named Philippe Petit. Um, if you don't know who he is, Google him. Go to your Google machine. That dude in the 1970s, he, I don't know how he did it, but he must have gone up the World Trade Center with a big backpack and shit, and he shot a line across from one trade center to the other, <laughs> and he walked across the World Trade Centers on a tightrope. And that dude was, like, sitting down and Guy. doing shit. Guy. I mean, it was great. Yeah. You got to see. There's a documentary that came out maybe 10 or 15 years ago. It was called Man on, Wi Man on a Wire. And it, that, it, it's like it, an REM song. No, it, it is so good. It is basically the story of that. Um, so it's a documentary. And then there was also that that something Jordan Levitt, you know that guy, uh, Liz, uh, the, the, the yeah. actor? He also yeah. played him in, in a movie. But The Man on Wire is is a great documentary. So right. definitely well, check that out. Sorry to kill okay. you. No, I mean, yeah. I'll go to my blockbuster this weekend. It's supposed to rain on Saturday. And i got nothing else to do. <laughs> But high wire act. I mean, that dude was a high wire. The Walendas, by the way, were as well. And I will mention, those dudes didn't use a net. So if you think you got a net now, think again. Back to you, Liz. Okay. I don't, I'm not really sure where to start uh, after all that. Cats are, are freaky acrobatic. So I'm not surprised that a cat pulled that off. But anyway, um, yesterday was perhaps the biggest Fed meeting that we'd all been waiting for. And the High Wire Act was going into it. My feelings were, I don't know how he actually succeeds today. I don't know what statement the market would even enjoy out of his mouth. And I expected that it would be bad no matter what happened. And I will say this. I was on Halftime Report yesterday. We do final trades on that show, just like I know you guys do on Fast Money. My final trade was to not trade. Because it's so different, it's, it's so difficult between 2 and 2.30, first of all, but then even from 2.30 to 4 o'clock, 
everything changes. And that is exactly what happened yesterday. And throughout that period, the market was kind of benign to it right away. And then as Guy pointed out, we had a little rally, obviously ended down pretty sharply on the day. Here are the things that stood out to me in the statement yesterday. Uh, the statement around the fact that recent events are going to cause credit tightening in households and businesses, they're going to monitor that. And then the one sentence where Jerome Powell said that if price stability isn't there, the economy doesn't work for anyone. That is exactly what I have been saying for such a long time, that they had to keep fighting inflation, because if we didn't, we're going into a recession anyway. I've been asked many times in media, what's worse, rate hikes or inflation? Hands down, inflation is worse. So although I think they probably could have gotten away with a pause yesterday, 25 basis points is consistent with what they'd been telling us the entire time that they were going to continue fighting this. I actually think that there is a pretty good chance that's it. I don't know that we're going to see another hike. I also think that the Fed is wrong about not being uh, not showing any cuts before the end of the year. So I don't know that they'll have to cut three times like the market might expect, but I, I would expect at least one cut before the end of the year and not for good reasons, either because something else broke or because the economic data actually started to turn notably down. Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, so as we're looking at the market here today and, you know, on my main facts set screen, as I said yesterday, you know, I have hundreds of stocks. I have them organized by sector. I have a bunch of ETFs. I think of it as a little bit of a heat map. And just as we've been sitting in front of our screens, I mean, we talked about what just has gone on with the bank stocks. You know, Guy, are you looking at your oil stocks here? Um, what, like they're all red now across the board. You know, OAH is down one percent. XLE is now down a half a percent. You know, crude oil at seventy bucks um, can't really seem to get out of its own way. We've drawn some lines on that crude, that resistance level um, at seventy, and that might be speaking a little bit to what Liz is talking about as it relates to growth. And I think you guys both made this point that Fed Chair Powell made. And that was the thing that I thought was bearish for equities was that the contraction in lending in the banking sector, right? And all this sort of stuff will be a drag on the economy. Right. So, and, and I get it. Listen, I get it. If you say, okay, that's fine. Then and Liz, you just said, there's a great point that a lot of these tech companies have been cutting jobs. They've been cutting costs fairly aggressively. So maybe that's why the NASDAQ is this huge beneficiary. But your point about your final trade of not trading it doesn't mean you have to buy stocks here either as an investment. You know what I mean? Especially with where they are. And I'm not, you know, I trade, right? But I also look to kind of dollar cost average things, um, you know what I mean, on a long-term basis, but not when the NASDAQ is up 18% in the face of what I think is going to be a recession in the back half of the year. So, Guy, I'm just curious what you think of that as you're looking at, I'm looking at parts of the market weaken on the tail or the back end of what's going on with the bank stocks. And let me tell you something, people, watch out because, you know, Apple was up more than 2%. It's only up one and a quarter percent. Tesla was up 4%. It's only up 1% right now. If you lose some of those names, and here's the one, the, the this is the big kahuna here, people. And guy, I know this is, you know, NVIDIA. If you lose NVIDIA after the day or the week that it's had, right, with its AI day and the upgrades at Morgan Stanley, this and our, watch out below. It's interesting. It, when you were saying it that way, it made me think, obviously, of The Godfather. And Robert Duvall said to Sonny, if the old man dies, you make the deal. And that's what I'm thinking here. Like, you know, if a couple of these things come to fruition, you got to come to a realization that this market is built on a little bit of sand here. You know, I get what's, again, I, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but I see what's going on. But if you start losing 
these banks one by one. And if there's weakness in that sector, and again, if credit conditions to Liz's earlier point continue to get tighter, it's just not, it's not bullish and you shouldn't be paying an historic valuation for the market under these set of circumstances. And yeah, the Fed might be, they probably should be done quite frankly, but the lag effect, I don't think anybody fully comprehends. Uh, by the way, let's go to your next slide because I sort of dig it. Firm is the word, not grease is the word, which, you know, I loved. I tell you what, as much as people loved Olivia Newton-John, which she was great, I thought Stockard Channing was a badass in Greece, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you would have been a great Rizzo, though, if you portrayed. I would have been a great Greece Rizzo. In, in your high school production. Yeah. But anyway, I would cast myself as Rizzo, actually. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, this this just shows our generational difference, though, Guy, because I was thinking more at the lyric bird is the word, which is in a hip hop song yeah. from yesteryear. Yeah, anyway, yeah. um, firm is the word. Yeah. OK, I, I mean, I, I legitimately LOL'd about this when he started talking about now it's going to be appropriate to do some firming. I, like, what the hell does that mean? It, it, it got so much more convoluted. And now we've just replaced the word tightening with firming. Somebody put, I actually posed the question to Twitter and somebody answered it, I think, very, very eloquently, something along the lines of that means it's done cooking. So now we put it in the fridge and the custard firms up. And I think maybe that's it. So that's why I really do think that it's possible this was the last one. Now, the chart that I'm showing here, credit spreads, as we've alluded to a couple times, yes, they came back down in the last couple days, but look at that slow grind higher. And then obviously you see the big uh, pop higher that was on some of the bank news. This is high yield spreads and investment grade credit spreads. For the entire part of the year before this, nothing had really happened. In fact, they had gotten tighter and it didn't make any sense. And that's what a lot of the bulls would point to, that there's no weakness in the credit market. Everything's still fine. Well, if we're going to look at the equity market as a signal for what's to come, you have to look at the credit market for a signal of what's to come as well. And somebody is selling credit. So do not ignore this. I think this is something that's really important. It could end up being a warning sign in a part of the market that hasn't really shown warning yet. This might be the beginning of it showing a real warning. Now, I acknowledge we are nowhere near the spreads that we normally would be in stressful environments. There's still a lot more to go, but that's also a warning to say it's not as if these are suddenly attractively priced. This could be just the beginning of a really steep rise in spreads. Matter of fact, I mean, Guy, you bring up the HYG you just did. That's the high yield um, ETF that tracks the sector. It really has looked like it's been tracking the S&P 500. If you were to kind of overlay those sorts of things, we've been asking this question because for the last couple of weeks, as we've had a lot of smart people join us on our market calls and on the tape, Liz, you would obviously be one of those people. We've talked about the fact, yes, what's different this time, uh, it, it, when any comparison you want to make about the last banking crisis that we're at, this was a interest rate situation. This was a duration mismatch, but you guys have been bringing this up. On the other side of that, what happens here? We've been talking about credit and some very smart credit folks. And, you know, I think it was um, Slock, who's the um, a strategist over at Apollo. Those guys are pretty good on credit. And he was saying, I think earlier this week, that he thinks that defaults are going to start ticking up. There's been a lot of focus on commercial real estate. So wh where are some of these um, regional banks very exposed to commercial real estate, right? And so I don't know, guys, just, you know, strap in here is, is kind of what I'm saying, because I think the illusion of what's going on in the NASDAQ is kind of like, uh, you know, look here, don't look there, at least for some of the people that have this kind of universal bullish outlook. Um, we are not them. Um, and let's go to um, our main man. You know him. Can I say it? Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Just do it. 
Just you know what it. time it is, folks. I want everybody collectively to say it. I don't care if you might be in your office. I don't give a shit. On three. One, two, three. Butters. Butters. There it is. John Butters. He is the senior earnings insight analyst over there um, at FactSet. He gives us a preview of his blog that drops every Friday morning. Also, check out FactSet um, on the Twitter because they tweet out a lot of great information about S&P valuations trailing forward. And they're updating a whole host of, uh, of the data sets um, that they put out. But John's uh, blog is going to drop tomorrow morning. We have um, a little bit of a preview here today. He is focused on the buy bottom up target for the S&P 500 right now 4631 based on this target industry analysts believe the index will see a 16% price increase guy in 12 months versus yesterday's close of 4000 energy up 26% financials up 23% that seems optimistic real estate up 21% are expected to see the largest price increases the information technology sector only up 9%, uh, which is kind of interesting given the performance here. And so um, just thoughts on, on some of that here because, again, um, it makes some sense to me, but I think we are all in the camp that current consensus of S&P earnings for this year up high single digits, maybe some up more than 10%, is a little too optimistic. And if that doesn't come in, then these targets are not particularly attainable in my opinion. Yeah, look, 4,600, this is just through my lens, is – really wishful thinking and if it's going to be contingent on financials up you know 23 percent or even half of that i mean i don't know where that's coming from because it feels as though and this is not casting aspersions john's doing the work i mean that's what the market is interpret but you know it feels as though that might be a negative number by the time we get through with all this stuff energy obviously is under pressure you've highlighted that a number of times and you know and real estate i mean i will tell you home builders and we've talked about this on market call on fast money. I think people would be shocked to see how well the home builder stocks have been doing. And I've attributed that to supply demand, but I think real estate in the collective is a much different story. So, Listen, 4631, as you say, Dan, have at it, people. Well, real quickly, Liz, before you get in here, we have an XHB chart. That's the ETF that tracks the home builders. There's some other stuff other than just kind of pure play home builders. I mean, pretty constructive chart there if you think about it. And and I think I think what you're talking about as far as broader real estate is the IYR, and, and that is a bit of a disaster. I think earlier in the week, we hit some of those REITs, right, those commercial office REITs and stuff. And that's, you know, so there's two different things going on, right? Some of the dynamics as it relates to, um, residential um, real estate versus uh, that in commercial. Liz, thoughts on 4,600. If you go back to the start of, you know, 2022, the S&P was sticking 4,800, right? Isn't that crazy to think in the first week of 2022? That's where it is. We got down to what, 3,500 or so at the lows back in, um, you know, in October here, but 4,600 seems optimistic. 4,600 seems very optimistic. I'm sure we'll see it again in our lifetimes, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon, or if it does, we'll fall. The, the thing that makes me nervous is when the market goes up day after day, and once we string about two or three of those days together, it just feels like we're ripe to give it all back. So look, on the earnings front, uh, I want to make a comment there. Just so everybody knows, there's, there's a difference between forward earnings and trailing earnings. And when you look at what happens in a traditional recessionary environment, you usually have a decline in earnings of 20 to 30%. And so that's 20 to 30% from the peak in trailing earnings. The peak in trailing earnings really only happened a couple quarters ago. 
So if that's the case, we've had only our first quarter of negative earnings growth. The second quarter of negative earnings growth may be just starting to be heard about in April, and that would confirm an earnings recession. I would assume or venture a guess that we'll see some analysts bring their targets down if we have confirmed an earnings recession and economic data starts to soften. So what could happen here, what also might happen with the home builders, yes, we've seen some dips, right? We saw pretty big dips in 2022. We saw earnings start getting revised down. The peak in earnings estimates was really in, I think it was early summer of 2022. And then they've come down from there. Home builders, yes, they saw their pain and now they're back up. But if we go into a downturn, all of that stuff makes some kind of low, if not new lows. And home builders are going to trade with the cyclicals, not with the kind of lagging home prices, lagging commercial real estate defaults, all this, all the other stuff. So real estate is a tricky piece because it trades in, in two different pieces. You're mm -hmm. going to look at the cyclical leading stuff, which is home builders. And then you're going to look at the things that happen when actual real estate loans default. So it's, it happens in, in two different ways. Of course, day after day, Dan, is a song by the great band Badfinger. I won't demonstrate what the bad <laughs> finger is, but I'm sure you folks are smart enough to figure that out. Uh, there was a great album cover, by the way. I digress. Yesterday, Dan, we pulled up a square chart, as fate may have it. <laughs> and this was somewhat fortuitous. I don't yeah, know how to spell that guys. word. Well, but, so, we, so this is something we're trying to do a little bit more on, on Market Call. Um, we get a lot of requests for kind of how we go about doing things. What are some of the inputs we use? And, you know, that was one where, to me, I, I've fundamentally been um, kind of not a, a fan of this company, the valuation, especially relative to maybe some other fintechs that are publicly traded. But just kind of looking at the charts and we just highlighted the technical setup. We kind of hit on some of those points. You and I were both kind of in agreement. And one of the things I just say and, and one of the reasons why Carter has been such a, a great partner of ours over you know since we launched market call and this is meant to be obviously a very visual sort of medium here it is streaming video um you know oftentimes and he says it all the time that the technicals lead some fundamental news you know whether you believe that um or not and, and you know i know a lot of really smart investors traders who don't look at charts but most the ones that came up the way guy and i did really do and what does it do it, it kind of helps inform some levels we talk about levels all the time it shows relative strength um, you know, sometimes in a raging bull market like we've been in as far as the NASDAQ, which we mentioned now five times this show, why is a stock like this come in so hard over the last month, right? Is there something in the technicals? Is there something about the sentiment? Is there something about the level? So that, that to me, we obviously had no knowledge one way or another that was coming out, but oftentimes the technicals will precede um, some uh, fundamental news. It was an interesting, it was, the timing was interesting. So, I mean, that's what we try to do here. Right, wrong, and different. We come to play. It's like baseball, man. You get your ass handed to you on a Tuesday. You're coming back on Wednesday. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. You know what I'm saying, Dan? You know what I'm saying, EY? Sure. Somebody somebody called out my Wisconsin accent on the word lagging. Yeah, it's there. Lagging. Oh, I've heard it's, that. It's I've heard yeah. that, Liz. That's that's a that's a routine uh that's a routine call out that we get about you. But can't if it, do if anything I, about it. It's the A's and the O's. They're just gonna be that way. And by the way, I do not call soda pop. I call it soda. Minnesota calls it pop. Yeah. Wisconsin right. calls it soda. Wisconsin. Yeah, noted. Marquette, tough. I mean, a tough out for Marquette. Ugh. I really thought they'd acquit themselves better. Um, as it turns out, it looks like Creighton is going to carry the Big East flag for a while. But nobody really yeah. cares. Oh, UConn's still alive too, Dan Nathan. I know you're yeah. 
Orange from Syracuse did not make the tournament, nor did my Hoyas of Georgetown, for that yeah. matter. But nobody really cares about this. By the way, um, they say you can judge a person by the friends he or she keeps. We met one of EY's friends at a Ranger game. Total badass that broad. I mean, really, <laughs> right or wrong? I, I love mean, it. little yeah. thing, but, you know, Total feisty badass. as hell. Yeah. Small anyway, but mighty. I don't know. I mean, I don't, just, I don't know where that came from. But that's it, Dan <laughs> and EY. I want to thank FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. I want to thank SoFi. Dan, get your money right all in one app. Butter's always a stud. He brings it. His work speaks for itself. EY, always bringing it on a Thursday. The audience is always here. By the way, smash the like button and subscribe <laughs> on the YouTube YouTube channel if you're not YouTubing. I mean, I YouTube that shit all day long, man. I love the YouTube. I think it's going to catch on. Wrong with you. I, yeah. That's YouTube. so much. This all is so right. much. All right. Listen, people, thanks for being here with us. Liz Young, thanks for the heavy lifting you do on a Thursday with Guy and me. You just pick us up, you put us on your shoulders, and you just do it all. So thanks so much. Anytime. Bye, all right, see ya. <laughs>